Oh, I'm back. I have a third child. She is awesome. I'm going to show you a picture here in a second. Just the suspense, you know. All right, Kingdom Conference. Oh, man, I'm so excited for that. No matter what happens in this election, I need a baptism in the kingdom of God. So let's do that for a couple of days. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Pull out your Bibles. Pull out your notes. Something to take notes with. Um, You can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It is good to be back in church. Man, it's out the last couple of weeks. Anybody thankful for uh, Father Steve preaching the last few weeks? I didn't, get, I didn't listen to all of it, but I heard it was awesome. Somebody told me the third week was the best, so I'll make sure he knows the first two weeks he needs to work on that a little bit. Sam said that. No, I'm kidding. Sam didn't say that. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, so first order of business, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you for the very first time, Esme Faith Zanako. Yes! She is 11 days old right now, and that's my favorite picture of her at this point. Just passed out, arms out. Just That's how we all need to be going through 2020 right now. So she's discipling all of us right now. <laughs> and that's Rose and Smith. If you haven't met them, they're awesome. Heather's amazing. She's doing great. Everybody's home and healthy and happy. Not necessarily well-rested, but happy and healthy. So we'll take those two things. Amen. She's adorable. Uh, I, 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 love, I love my kids. Does anybody love your own kids? That's good. That's good. Anybody love my kids? Yeah, that's a good answer. I love my kids. They're, uh, they're wild. If you know them, they, 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 are, they are wild. Like sometimes, sometimes in public, they're extra ridiculous. Have you noticed how your kids know how to just pull out extra ridiculous once you get out in public around other people? Sometimes when I, don't, when I can't uh, get control of them, you know, because I can't all the time. I mean, they're pastor's kids. They're perfect. They never act up. But hypothetically, if they were to ever act up in public, sometimes, sometimes I say this loud enough just to make sure everybody around me hears. I say, hey, when we drop you back off at your parents' house, we're going to make sure they know how you're acting right now. And they're always like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just get in line, you know? But I, I, love, I love being a dad. I, I, love, I love it. I'm learning a lot being a dad. I, I knew I was going to learn a lot, but I'm learning. I'm learning a lot being a dad. Rose is six and a half. Smith is about to turn four. Obviously, Esme's brand new. Um, so I'm very new to the dad thing still, but I'm, I'm learning a lot so far. One of the biggest lessons that I'm learning, and maybe if you're a parent, you can back me up on this, but one of the biggest lessons I'm learning in parenting is uh, that it's just, it's wise to pick your battles. You got to pick your battles sometimes, right? Like you can't, you can't fight them all, all the time. With Rose, when, when it was just Rose, when she became a toddler and she was kind of the only one running around, I never backed down from a fight with the toddler. And, and if you know me, that's kind of like my personality. I'm like just kind of down for it. <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> but I'm not sorry, no. <laughs> but when Rose was a toddler, it was like everything. It was like, oh, 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 you want to fight about that? Let's fight about that. So, you know, it, it was like every, every little argument, every little fight, with, with her was, was worth fighting in, in my mind. And because it was worth fighting because every one of those things was an opportunity to establish my dominance as the father of the house, right? And establish that I am right, I am wise, you need to do what I say. It's, it's worth it. It was worthwhile in the beginning to demonstrate how I'm right about everything, just so you know. By the time Smith came up and there was two of them as toddlers, it became a little bit logistically more difficult to pick every fight, which started to help me learn that maybe not every fight is actually worthwhile. Maybe, maybe you don't need to take every opportunity to establish dominance in the house. So uh, yeah, you, yeah, I know some of you are looking at me like, wow, 
I can't believe I, I don't come to this church anymore, actually. This is it. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. Logistically became more difficult because there's two of them. And, and honestly, you know, the first time around with Rose, I learned some. Even some fights I won, I looked back on and was like, eh, probably didn't need to fight that fight. You ever look back on a fight? Even the ones you win, you're like, I mean, I'm glad I won. <laughs> but maybe it still wasn't, wasn't worth it. Sometimes you need to pick your battles because sometimes it's worth it to just save the energy. Sometimes it's worth it to just save the energy, parents, right? You're like, I'm too tired for that. That's actually probably one I should fight, but I'm going to send you over to your grandparents. Maybe they'll deal with it. Sometimes you just got to pick your energy. And now as I'm starting the journey of, of being a father of three, I'm hoping, heading off here at the beginning, that, that I'm, I'm hitting the third a little bit more wiser than the first and the second, a little bit more strategic. I'm, I'm anticipating being a little more strategic in my battles over these next few years, handful of years. And you know, early on, the idea of, of picking battles, especially before I had kids, I heard people talk about picking your battles, you know, back when I was like 21, had zero responsibility, all the energy in the world. People were like, oh, pick your battles. I'm like, that sounds like such a cop-out. You know, like, why be right about some things when you can be right about everything? <laughs> and why be right about everything if you're not going to make sure everybody knows you're right about everything? <laughs> but uh, now that I'm 31 and I've got three kids, I'm, I'm getting close to being a full-grown adult now, according to most of society. And so uh, I figure that I should probably start learning some of those lessons. And I'm realizing that, that picking your battles isn't weakness, it's actually wisdom. It's not weakness, it's wisdom. I used to think it was weakness, but picking your battles isn't weakness, it's wisdom. Because what, I've, what I'm beginning to learn is that winning the most fights in your life doesn't mean anything if you lose the most important fights of your life. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. Title of this morning's message, go ahead and write it at the top of your notes, The Fight of Your Life. The fight of your life. Winning the most fights in your life doesn't mean anything if you lose the most important fight of your life. The fight of your life. There's a lot to fight about in life right now. There's a lot to, lot to fight about. Who to vote for, what side of an issue to be on, fight about should we be wearing masks or not, fight about... Uh, racism, where is it, what is it, who's racist, who isn't, what does it look like? There's a lot to fight about right now. And then, I mean, that's not even inside my own house. Then we got to fight about like, is it bedtime or not? Do I need to eat my dinner or not? There's just so many things to fight about. So many things to fight about. I'm learning that the more people I talk to, it's like, well, the more news I watch, the more I learn there is to fight about. Like, do we hope Trump dies or not? Are we going to fight about that? We're honest in this church. Just, I, you had that conversation outside the church, so we might as well have it inside the church, right? Like, are we supposed to be excited or not? Or I don't know how this is supposed to go. But the more news I watch, the more it seems I'm supposed to be fighting people about. But the more people I talk to, the more I'm realizing that most of us don't really want to fight about all this stuff. I'm getting yelled at a lot about how I should be fighting, but mo I mean, we're, most of us were like, I mean, I'm not, I don't need to fight about this. See, we're all kind of caught in the middle of so much. It seems like kind of the, the, the loudest 15% of either extreme on anything is the loudest one. You know, like the people all the way over here about a thing, they're like shouting, you know, and we're going to fight. And then like the loudest 15% on the way over here, they're like, let's fight. 
And the other 70% of us are kind of in the middle, like, ah, I mean, I have some thoughts. I have some opinions that I actually might like hold really strongly. Like I would actually love to have a conversation about some of this stuff, but, but I don't have, we don't have to fight about it. I mean, I, I care and I, I think I want to make some things better and I think I have something to contribute, but I, it doesn't mean I need to fight about it. Sometimes it seems like the biggest fight I'm fighting every day is to not get in a fight with everybody else around me. You say one thing, it's like, oh, shoot, did I just start something? I did not mean to. <laughs> so much to fight about. So much to fight about. I just realized I forgot to read the Bible part, so we're going to do that now. Luke chapter 10, if you're there, say I'm there. I've been out for three weeks. It's like I'm a rookie all over again, you know. <laughs> Verse 38, Luke chapter 10, if you're there, say I'm there. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right, we do. We stand up for the word of God. Come on. Thank you, Sam. Teamwork makes the dream work, bro. Verse 38, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. We meet Jesus first off. Y'all know him. We're about to meet some other people. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. That's a good idea. If you, if you, if you sense Jesus doing something, just say, hey, Jesus, come on in. Come on in, I'm gonna make room for you, Laura Gautier. That's right. And she had a sister called Mary. So we got Martha, we got Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? You ever gone and talked to Jesus about your sister? That's your brother. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many Things. Anybody got many things on your mind this morning? Many things on your heart, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I'm gonna pray for us as we get started since I forgot to earlier. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you for the places that we're coming from, the places where we feel strong, the places where we feel weak. I thank you that just like in this story, you are passing through this room. You are passing through this city. You are passing through this moment in our lives, and we invite you in. Come and stay in our hearts. Come and stay in our minds. Come and stay in this room. Come and stay and speak to us this morning. Speak and move us and shape us and teach us in Jesus' name that we might walk out in power to bring your kingdom on the earth. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen. Amen. Go ahead and sit back down. Many things, so many things to fight about. So we meet Jesus in Luke chapter 10. We meet two sisters, Martha and Mary. If you've been in church a lot in your life, this is probably one of those passages that's, that's fairly famous and that you've probably heard about before. Not necessarily like John 3, 16, David and Goliath, probably famous, but like maybe third tier. I know what second tier would be, but we'll call it third tier. You've probably heard this before, this little, this, these few verses. And if you have heard this story before or heard teaching out of this story before, then you've met Mary and, and Martha before. It's, it's one of those stories that gets talked about. And, and when, we get, when it gets talked about, Martha usually kind of gets a bad reputation, right? She's the bad guy in the story because she, you know, gets rebuked and all this kind of stuff. But I just want to go on record and say I like Martha. 
I like Martha. I, I like Martha. She, she usually gets a bad reputation, but Martha's like a, Martha's a go-getter. I like it. She's an initiator. She's independent. It says Martha invited, her, invited him into her house. Jesus, you come over to my house. I like that. Good for her. Good for her, Martha. Go get you a house. She's a go-getter. She's an initiator. She's independent. She's hospitable. She's kind. She works hard. She's, she's awesome. She's confident. I would be friends with Martha. Definitely. Definitely friends with Martha. The other thing about Martha is Martha's a fighter. And I like that about Martha. Martha's a fighter. See, Jesus comes over to her house, comes over to Martha's house, and uh, apparently we have a squatter in the house, Mary. She doesn't do much. She's, uh, she's freeloading off of Martha in Martha's own house, and Martha knows it, and Martha's sick of it, and this isn't the first time Mary and Martha have had a conversation about this. I know it doesn't say that right there, but it says they're sisters, and you know what a sister's like. Either you have one or you know somebody who has one. They've had some conversations about this before Mary and Martha. They've had some sisterly conversations about Martha's house and Mary staying in Martha's house. Am I right? <laughs> Jesus comes over. Mary's there. Martha's in her own house. Mary just sits on the floor, listens to Jesus talk while Martha, Martha does uh, the serving. And usually she gets the bad rep for serving, but that's like the normal thing to do. That's what you do when somebody comes over, right? So she's being a sensible, hospitable, kind, rational human being and saying, Jesus, hey, I believe you're the Messiah and stuff. I should probably make you a sandwich if you're gonna come over to my house. I would have done what Martha was doing. Jesus, by all means, come in. By all means, get comfortable. What can I do for you, Jesus? I would love to make us some lunch. I would love to serve and make sure the house is clean. And she would also love for Mary to help. Love for Mary to get up off, off, up off the floor and help with lunch. In, in verse 40, Martha comes to Jesus and she's mad. She's mad at Mary. And you could just sense it. Like I said, this, this isn't a new mad. This mad has been brewing for a little while. You know how sometimes you come to Jesus with something. It's the first time you talk to him about it, but you've been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> Verse 40, that's what's going on here in verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, I know that this happened a long time ago, but Martha would have made a killer 2020 American Christian. She would have just nailed it. She would have fit right in with this world we got going on right now because Martha is right, right? She's right. She's doing what ought to be done in the moment. She's serving. She's making lunch. She's hosting. She's doing what ought to be going on. She's right, and she knows she's right. Martha's right, and she knows she's right. Not only does she know she's right, she knows that Jesus knows she's right. And now she's ready to pick a fight with Mary to make sure Mary knows how right Martha is, and the way that Martha's gonna get Mary to know how right Martha is is by making Jesus tell Mary how right Martha is. I like Martha. <laughs> I like Martha. Martha appeals to Jesus. She doesn't even let him answer the question. Martha, Lord, don't you care that I'm being left alone to serve? Tell her to get up. <laughs> In other words, Jesus, don't you care? I know you care. 
I know you care about what I care about because I'm right about what I care about right now and everybody should be doing what I'm doing right now. And so I don't actually need you to answer my question because I'm right, you know I'm right and I know you know I'm right. So let's just tell her to get in line. Classic. Doesn't even let Jesus finish the question. Martha's crazy. You would never do that. I've never done that. (laughs) We all do it. Come on now, we all do it. We all do. We all think we're right and that Jesus is on our side. Am I right? See, you know you're right because you are. That's how you know. You're right because you are. You are because you wouldn't carry the opinion that you carry if you knew what was wrong. And you hold it, so therefore it's right because if it was wrong, you wouldn't hold that opinion. Because you're not dumb, right? And since you're not dumb, if you're thinking it, it must be right because you're not dumb and you're thinking it. So it wouldn't be wrong because that'd be dumb. So clearly you're right. You're right. You're right. Obviously, if you think it, it's right. Plus, you've probably seen at least one famous person tweet about something that lines up with what you're thinking anyways, which means you're definitely right. You're right. I want, hey, if you take nothing else from church this morning, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm right. We're right. You and me, we're right. We're right. We're right, and we know it. I feel good about it, too. I feel good about how right I am. I hope you feel good about how right you are so that we can all feel really good about how right we are. Because it's good to feel good about being right. (sighs) We know we're right. The best part is Jesus knows we're right. Jesus knows we're right, too. And Jesus is on our side. And so what we need Jesus to do is to tell everybody else who's not on our side to get on our side because we're right. And once they get on our side, everything else will be all right. I'm going to give you a warning here in church. I didn't come up with this. It's just all this stuff right here in the Bible. But it's for me too. If you're going to bring Jesus into one of your fights, just be ready for Jesus to pick a fight with your fight. Martha wants Jesus to talk to Mary about how right Martha is. But instead, Jesus talks to Martha about how focused Mary is. Verse 40, Martha was distracted, distracted with much serving. It wasn't the sandwiches that were the problem. It wasn't the fact that Martha was just busy and has some things going on. That's not, what, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about, no, I'm not hungry. The sandwich is no good. You burn the toast. That's not what she's getting rebuked for. She's distracted with much serving. She was right, but she was distracted. Instead of affirming Martha for how right she is, Jesus rebukes her for how distracted she is. The word there, distracted, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but you don't either, so I'm just going to say it, and we'll pretend like I'm right. I'm not even going to do it, actually. It means distracted, though, (laughs) the word that they put there. In the other language, it reads differently, but it means the same thing. And uh, it means distracted. It's actually also as a word, it's kind of like a metaphor. The word in itself carries a metaphor of like being dragged around. 
So the word itself, it's like a metaphor. So you could say if, if they would have translated the metaphor, not just the word, it said Martha was dragged around in her life with many things. She's being dragged around. It's a metaphor for like saying, it's like you, you're in the passenger seat of your own mind, just getting driven around all over the place, along for the ride, going wherever it takes you. Being, it's a metaphor for being driven around by your mind, driven around by your culture, driven around by your emotions, driven around by your circumstances, completely not in control. Just buckle up because here we go. I don't know where we're going, but I'm going with it. Distracted, distracted distracted, dragged around about the mask or about the president or about the other candidate or about this policy, dragged around by your schedule, dragged around by what you're scared of, dragged around by how tired you are, dragged around by the latest thing you got offended by, dragged around, dragged around. Martha, you're getting dragged around, girl. Jesus is trying to teach us Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to teach his church. He's trying to teach his people. He's trying to teach his body something right now. That's you. That's me. That's us. The fight of your life is not the fight to be right. The fight of your life is the fight to stay focused. You better check on your neighbor and make sure they wrote that down. That's kind of the point of the whole thing. So We're going downhill from here. The fight of your life is not the fight to be right. The fight of your life is the fight to stay focused. The fight of your life. I want you to write this down while you're writing that down. All capital letters. D-O-T-D. D-O-T-D. I want you to look out for this. D-O-T-D. Get it a tattoo right there on your forehead. So when you look in the mirror. D-O-T-D. Distraction of the day. Distraction of the day. This is what your fight is against. Not the person in front of you. <laughs> Not the opposing opinion. Your fight in your life, the fight of your life every day, day in and day out, is against the distraction of the day, the headline of the day, the offense of the day, the news story of the day, the opinion of the day, the fear of the day, the disappointment of the day, what, the distraction of the day. That's who, okay, that's, how, that's when we bow up. Let's pick our battles. Let's pick our battles. Distraction of the day. The fight of your life, church, is the fight for your focus. It's the fight for your focus. What are you looking at? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Lord, don't you care that I'm right? Lord, don't you care that I'm nervous about this? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Tell everyone to agree with me now, please. Tell everyone to think like me. Tell everyone to come around and see it the way I see it. And Jesus responds, verse 41, Martha, Martha. Church, church. You are anxious and troubled with many things. But one thing is necessary. Church, church, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing, focus, focus. Isn't that what focus is? Looking at one thing. Jesus says one thing is necessary. What a word. 
Jesus picks. One thing is necessary. I wonder, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if every time we collectively or individually found ourselves getting pulled into a fight, a fight with another person, a fight with another opinion, a fight with another thought, a fight with another emotion, a fight with another fear. I wonder what would happen if as we're trying to get dra- starting to get dragged into that fight, if we took a step back for just a split hot second and asked ourselves the question, is this necessary? Write that down, church. Is this necessary? Is this really necessary? One thing is necessary, Jesus says. One thing is necessary. He goes on, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, chosen, chosen. She picked, she picked her battle. She made a choice. Mary has chosen. Focus is a choice, church. Focus is a choice. Focus is a choice. Focus is a choice. Mary has chosen. Focus is a choice. I wish it was an event that would just happen to me. (laughs) Just waiting to get focused. One of these days it's going to come slap me upside the head and I'm going to get focused. I wish it was an event that would happen to me. I wish focus was a government policy that somebody could just put in place for me. I wish it was. I wish somebody would legislate focus in my life. Make it against the law. Come on. I wish it was. I wish it was a miracle I could pray for. Lay hands on myself. Jesus, make me focused. Do that stuff you do and just miracleize me. I wish, it was a, I wish it was a miracle, but focus is a choice, church. Focus is a choice, and it's your choice. Your choice. Nobody else can make it for you. And the best part about that is you don't have to wait on anybody else to make that choice. See, on the surface, I wish it was an event. I wish it was a legislation. I wish it was a miracle because then somebody else could just take care of it for me. But the flip side, the good side of it being my choice is I don't need to wait on an event to happen to me. I don't need to wait on the government to do any one more thing. I don't need Jesus to raise from the dead again. I just get to make that choice. Right here, right now, me, without you, I'm choosing focus. I sure wish we would go be focused together, but even if you don't, I'm making my choice. It's a choice. You've got the power to make that choice. You've got the ability to make that choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. Jesus says it right there, Mary has chosen. Have you chosen? Have you chosen? Have you made your choice? Or or are we just coasting? Are we just taking it as as it goes? Are we just taking one hit at a time, just passenger seat, flowing down the rapids? I hope I'll land on a focused rock one of these days. You can choose, church. Let's choose focus. Let's choose focus. Let's win this fight. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. It will not be taken from her. See, I think we read that soft because Jesus is talking about Mary, and Mary's like, so 
dainty and like just sits and listens and good for Mary and it will not be taken from her. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He has all power and authority and dominion in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he said, it will not be taken from her. Your choice will not be taken from you. Trying to encourage you that is that you're guarded right now by Jesus, that you're empowered right now by Jesus, that you are being fought for by Jesus right now. Okay. I'll build myself up in the Lord. <laughs> it will not be taken from her. It will not be taken from her. I was thinking about this. I felt like the Lord brought some light to something I would like to submit to you and throw out to us as we think about all the fights that we have to fight, all the fights we're trying to be dragged into, how we're trying to pick our fights. So I would like to submit to you that right now in our lives, the things we fight about, the fights we do choose, we don't, we don't fight because we're right. We fight because we're scared. That fight that you're picking, that you think you're picking it because you're so right, I want to encourage you to take a quick second. I could be wrong, but just ask yourself, am I fighting because I'm actually, because I think I'm so right? Or am I actually fighting because I'm so scared? I was thinking about this. I was like, man, Democrats and Republicans don't hate each other because they're so passionate about being right. Listen to what everybody's saying. They're fighting because they're so scared. Listen to all the language. If so-and-so gets X, Y, Z, they will take away your... Everything's about what somebody else is going to take away from you. Everybody's so scared about what the other side is going to take away from me. Or you can't vote for that person because once they get into a spot, they're going to take away my... No, 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 you can't... No. No, 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 we got, we got to fight about this. I, I'm right about this. No, I, I, are you right or are you scared? Or are you scared? Are you, are you fighting about the mask because you're right about it or because you're scared that if I make you wear it, I'm taking away your right? If, if I don't make somebody else wear it, is it because you're right that you're upset or is it because if I don't make them wear it, they're going to take away your right? to be healthy and comfortable and their right to make their own decision and this person's right to my healthcare and this things and all the, th like, I'm just scared. I would submit to us that that's why we're fighting. You're allowed to be mad at me for saying that because I'm mad at me for saying that. Because I feel so justified when I'm fighting because I'm right. But I want to ask us the question, are we fighting because we're right or are we fighting because we're scared? We're scared of what somebody else is going to take away from us. See, we, we talk a lot about what Jesus did on the cross, and we should talk a lot about what Jesus did on the cross. But can we talk a little bit about what Jesus did not do on the cross? What Jesus did not do on the cross, Jesus did not fight for his rights. Jesus did not get offended over his discomfort. Jesus did not make sure his opinion was heard by all. He laid down his rights brick by brick. He laid down his comfort brick by brick. He laid down his opinions brick by brick, not to build a fortress to protect himself in, but to build a bridge for humanity to walk on. To build a bridge between humanity and God, to build a bridge between people and people. He laid himself down, not so that he could stand up strong, but so that he could be laid down for the sole purpose of being walked on. Bridges are there for one thing, to get walked on. If you want to be a bridge to peace in this world, 
If you want to be a bridge to reconciliation in this world, you're going to have to sell out to the fact that the road to reconciliation, the road to peace, it is paved with your rights. It is paved with your comfort. It is paved with your opinions so that people can walk on them, not because you are too weak to stand for what is right, but because you are so strong that you're staying focused on what is needed. One thing is necessary. One thing. Psalm 27. I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm 27 this morning. Psalm 27, verse 4 through 8. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, what is God saying? Let's say, what has God said? God has said, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord. Will I seek one thing? One thing, church. My question for you in this day is what's your one thing? What is your one thing? What is your one thing? If, if Jesus came into your house today and sat down at your table and he told you that coming out of 2020, coming out of quarantine, coming out of this pandemic whenever it does end, oh God, please. <laughs> coming out of a mask mandate, coming out of another election, coming out of that. If he looked at you and he said, there is one thing I will give to you to come out of this with. You can have one thing. What would your one thing be? What is the one thing, church? The one thing you wanna come out of this year with? The one thing you're hoping for, for the world? What is your one thing, Verse four convicts me. Oh, it's deep. One thing have I asked of the Lord. Ooh, that's before verse eight when it says, God said one thing, seek my face. Before he even said that, you know what? I set my heart on one thing. He didn't tell me to ask it. I just set my heart and I said, God, I'm gonna ask you for one thing. I'm gonna make the choice to seek after one thing. What's your one thing? If you could have God do anything for you right now, what would that one thing be? If you could have God do one thing in you right now, what would that one thing be? What's the one thing you want to be remembered for? What's the one thing you want to remember from all of this? What's the, what's the one thing you want the mark of your life to be? What's the one thing you want to spend your few precious breaths running after? What's the one thing you want to choose your precious energy to fight for? What's your one thing, church? What's your one thing? One thing is a discipline. It's a discipline to not get distracted. It's a discipline to sell out for one thing. And the fact is, all the stuff we're fighting about, no one's gonna remember that about me anyways. Even if 
Even if I did fight for some of this stuff, no one's gonna remember that about me. No one's gonna remember me about, remember me for my opinion on everything. <laughs> See, every champion that you could ever do some research on, the thing that made them a champion wasn't that they were good at everything, it was the focus on one thing. See, there's playoffs going on right now. NBA playoffs, baseball playoffs. There's a lot of playoffs going on. And you can tell the difference between the champions and the playoff contenders. The playoff contenders, they're just pumped to be in the playoffs. The champions, every interview, we haven't done anything yet. They're after one thing. They're after the championship. That's the one thing that matters. Every little game, every playoff series that they win up, it doesn't mean anything until it's just one more step towards the one thing. That's the difference between the champions and everybody else. It's, it's not talent. It's not even hard work. It's focus. It's focus. God, I'm going after one thing. God, I want one thing from you. I want to be in your presence. I want to see your face. I want to see your face. There's one thing I'm asking of you, God, right now. Clear up the fog, not so I can be right, but so that I can see your face. I'm seeking after one thing. I'm choosing one thing. I'm choosing the good thing. I know you can't find a candidate you're confident in. I can't either. I know you can't solve racial tensions by yourself. I can't either. I know you can't, do something about this whole Supreme Court thing by yourself. I can't either. I know you can't make this pandemic go away. I can't either. I know you can hardly manage outside of all that stuff, just the normal stuff you got going on this next week. I got an 11-day-old. I'm not sure I can't either. I know you don't want to wear a mask at church. I don't either. Or anywhere else for that matter. And I say this is gonna come off so rude and aggressive, but if all the grace in my heart, great. Now we're all on the same page. Can we move on now? Can we move on now to the one thing? Let's be a people. And when we come together, it's not to complain about everything. It's to focus on one thing. We're gonna be a people focused on one thing. We're gonna be focused on one thing. I know it's like super offensive, but we are in the fight of our lives. This is a fight of your life, the fight for your focus, one thing. There is one thing God is asking of you right now. There's one thing God is asking of me right now. There's one thing, seek my face. That doesn't sound like enough. That's kind of the point. Will we sell out for this? Will we go all out for this church? Seek my face. For your own health and stability, focus on his face. For the health and stability of this community, focus on his face. For the health and sanity of the people in your world that need you so badly to be anchored on something while they're getting tossed by everything, focus on his face. Focus on his face. It's the fight of your life, church. Let's pick our battles. Let's not waste our energy on the stuff that I'm not even gonna be remembered for. I wanna focus on his face. Can we stand as we close this morning? 
I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna have some of our prayer team come on up and I really wanna encourage you to come up for prayer if you need it for any reason in your life. But as we close, as we wrap up, I just wanna leave you with just a couple of questions as we consider this. And I would even invite you to be considering these questions, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to these questions in your heart as we spend our last few minutes together. What kind of bridges could we build with our distractions if we laid them down instead of built them up? What kind of altars could we build if we laid down our distractions as a sacrifice of praise in this season? What could God do with us? What could God do with us in a country like this, in a city like this, in a moment like this, in a neighborhood like yours, in a workplace like yours, in a friend group like yours? What could God do with us if we were to win the fight for our focus? What could God do with you and me? What could God do with we if we win this fight for our focus? So I'm asking you, church, what are you distracted by? I love what Laura shared with us during give and take. Is there anything holding you back? And if there is, are you willing to let it down? She preached the whole sermon before I ever got up here. That's what we're here for this morning. What is it? Is there anything distracting you? That's the easy part. The hard part is, are you willing to lay it down? Will you lay it down? Will you lay it down, church? Will you win the fight to lay it down? Why don't you go ahead and just put your hands out in front of you. And we're just gonna say, God, this is my posture of saying, come and speak to me, Holy Spirit. So God, come and highlight any distractions, highlight any fights we're fighting that are distracting us, God. We don't wanna be distracted with many things. Make us a people who make the choice. Make the choice to focus on the one thing that is necessary. God, make us a one thing kind of people. Make us a one thing kind of person. Make us a one thing kind of city. This one thing, God, Holy Spirit, fill us up with power to win this fight. As we lift up your name, and God, I'm asking right now that this place, in this room right now, not this week, right here, right now, would become a fresh altar of praise where we would lay down fresh sacrifices. God, every single one of us, that we would lay our sacrifices on the altar, Lord, and that you would send the fire of God for the sake of the people around us. Would you come and burn us, Lord? Teach us in Jesus' name.